traveling because you had to to fill out the census form. Imagine traveling because you had to to fill out a census form and she's ready to deliver. Imagine getting there and having to tell her, oops, I forgot to make a reservation. Imagine coming back out and saying, they don't have any room, but we can stay in the stable. Imagine having the birth of that first child, only not just any child, this is the Messiah, in the stable. In the crib was a feeding trough for the animals, and the animals were all around. Imagine the shepherds just doing their job out in the field at night when an angel shows up and starts talking to them. Imagine being told there's really good news because the Messiah, the Savior, the one you've been anticipating for generations has been born. He's in Bethlehem in a manger. Imagine not just one angel, but a whole army of them shows up and lets you know the good news. Imagine things not going as you had planned. That's not hard to imagine, is it? That happened this week, right? Some of you are going, you kidding me? It happened this morning. The question is this. In the midst of things not going as expected, at what level is your joy meter? When all the plans you had eh, didn't work, when the bumpkus' dogs came in and ate the turkey, ah, some people know good movies when you see them. If you have no idea what that reference is, Google it when you get home or ask someone who just laughed. When all of those things take place, is joy on your mind? We're looking this morning at joy. But we have to understand what joy is. If you have your Bibles or your Bible on your devices, I invite you to turn with me. The prophet Isaiah in the Old Testament, chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. Matthew, chapter 2, verses 9 through 11. Luke, chapter 2, verses 8 through 20. We're taking a look, and I want you to listen for where the joy might be in this part of the story. In Isaiah chapter 9, beginning of verse 6, it says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, everlasting Father, the Prince 
of peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Matthew chapter 2 Beginning of verse 9, this is describing the wise men, the magi. It says, after listening to the king, they went on their way and behold the star that they had seen when it rose before them until it came to rest over where the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. In Luke chapter 2, beginning of verse 8. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. The angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. <laughs> for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly... There was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And the angels went away from them into heaven. The shepherds said to one another, let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. They went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Now, I got to interject. This is free. It's not part of the message. When I read this about the shepherds, I get the great fear. That seems wise to me. I mean, you're out watching sheep. And all of a sudden, an angel shows up and starts talking to you. That seems wise to be afraid. What I don't get is in verse 15, it says the angels went away from them into heaven. And the shepherds, first thing is, let's go check this out. Now, that's the wiser, more spiritual reaction, but I don't think that would have been mine. I think my first reaction would have been mouth hanging open, turning and looking to all the other shepherds and going, that was awesome. Or maybe, did you see it too? Or maybe, what just happened? 
Or maybe, I'm sorry, I was so afraid. What did they say? I like their response better. And I love, I don't really like the word used in the ESV that I read from, but it does give the word picture when it says they went with haste. That means they double-timed it. They did not saunter to see baby Jesus. They booked it there. I wonder how anxious we are to meet with him. I mean, the shepherds had to drop everything to go and do that. What level was their joy meter on? Man, I think that thing was redlining. Even though it was unexpected, even though they couldn't have anticipated it, even though it was not what they thought would happen. But let's get back to this revolution idea. This is the third week we're looking at this, a, a Christmas revolution. And we said the first week that a revolution always begins with hope. No matter what kind of a revolution it is, it always begins with hope. And then, last week, that when hope is fulfilled, it produces peace. Just time out again. Did any of you this week realize the timing of that message on peace given everything that happened this last week? And we have to recognize as we're looking this morning that where there is hope and peace, there is joy. Unspeakable undefinable joy. But we also have to understand something. Joy is not to be confused with happiness. There's a difference. See, joy is a feeling, but it is much deeper than just a feeling. Joy is not a surface issue that is dependent on things or circumstances. Joy is not dependent on who wins or loses this afternoon. Happiness is. Joy is not dependent on things or circumstances. Joy is nearly always connected to relationships. So think back to the first question this morning. What level is your joy meter? And if it's not high, you have to ask, how are my relationships? Starting with Christ. Because this whole thing of a Christmas revolution starts in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And joy is dependent on my relationships, especially my relationship with him. You see, if my relationship with him is as it should be, if my relationship with Christ is alive and active, if I'm beginning to study and to understand his word and applying it in my life, I can have joy even in the midst of the storms. 
I can have joy even when things haven't gone my way or I haven't been treated fairly or the news has been bad or I've been betrayed. A revolution of joy believes that there is good news. In fact, maybe I should restate that. A revolution of joy knows that there is good news. Luke 2, verses 10 and 11, when the angel showed up, first thing he said was, Fear not, behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. See, you have to recognize if you're going to have a revolution of joy, if you're going to begin to raise that meter of joy, you have to recognize this good news is for you personally. It has your name on it. It's not a generic announcement. Notice what the angel said to them, that today... A Savior has been born to you. Personal. Some of you desperately need to know today. Some of you tuning in online desperately need to hear and begin to believe that you are loved by the Creator, by the gift of Jesus Christ. That you are passionately loved by Jesus. He knows your name. He knows all about you. And he loves you more than you can possibly imagine. That alone should produce joy. If I recognize and embrace it personally. You see this revolution of joy believes and knows that there is good news and that the good news is for everyone, not just me. It's for everyone. Now, many people struggle with it being personal, that it's really for you. Because you have a tendency to say, man, I know my past. I know me. I know my present. I know my thoughts. God does too, and he still loves you. He loves you so much, he doesn't want to leave you that way. <laughs> and then some of you struggle more with the fact that that love, that joy is available to everyone because somebody comes to your mind who's done you wrong, who's hurt people who's cheated, lied, stolen, whatever. And it's tough to believe that that good news of joy, of new life, of hope and peace is for them. And yet it is. It is for everyone who will receive it. Everyone who will embrace it. Everyone who will accept it. You personally and every single person you will meet eyes with this week. Yeah, even them. Because a name came to mind, right? Now, part of that doesn't seem fair. 
And every time I think of that, the Lord reminds me there's somebody who's thinking that about me. And going, yeah, he doesn't deserve it. And they're right. But you see, the grace, love, forgiveness, and salvation of Christ is not dependent on my deserving. Thank you. It's dependent on his love. And that is unbelievable, overwhelming, and unconditional for you and for everyone. That by itself should produce joy that redlines and creates a revolution. You see, a revolution of joy is not dependent on circumstances. Thank you, Jesus. It's not dependent on the report from the doctor. It's not dependent on the weather and whether we were in the path of the tornado or not. It's not dependent upon the pink slip from the job. Or what anyone may or may not have done to us. It's dependent on our relationship with him. To have a revolution of joy, that's got to be our number one focus. My relationship with Jesus Christ. Mary and Joseph weren't in the circumstances they would have chosen. They certainly weren't ideal. They weren't even average. They were lousy circumstances. The whispering that everyone was saying about them having a child before they had come together and were married. To have to travel to Bethlehem. I mean, what a lousy husband to take his wife who was ready and take her that far. They were not in a hotel. They weren't even in their aunt and uncle's spare bedroom. They were in a stable. Can you imagine what DCFS would have done when they heard the baby started out in a manger? Ooh, headlines. And yet, Mary treasured all of this, the scripture tells us. They were filled with joy and it was passed on. A revolution of joy Believes there is good news. Number two, a revolution of joy must be embraced. You're not going to be joyful if you don't embrace the joy. <laughs> there are some of you who go, I want to be joyful. I dare you, Jesus. Got news for you. Not going to be joyful. You've got to embrace it. I mean, God's given all the signs. We got history. We have personal experiences. We have testimonies. We have all kinds of things around us. We have creation itself. We have the word that has endured. We have Christ. But you still have to personally embrace it. I wrote a post. Actually, I put up a post I put up seven years ago while we were in Kenya visiting our kids who are missionaries there. And how I was overwhelmed that day, remembering the prayers of my parents. For me, for their grandkids, 
even their great-grandkids, that th some of whom they never saw. And I realized I was living out the answers to some of my parents' prayers. But their prayers couldn't save me. I had to embrace it myself. Their prayers couldn't save my kids. They've each had to embrace it for themselves. Their prayers, as powerful as they were, couldn't save my grandkids. They each have to embrace that for themselves. A revolution of joy must be embraced. Even when circumstances are not ideal. Matthew 2, the wise men have been traveling for months, if not years. They got lost. Yeah, I know, guys didn't. The most impressive thing of the wise men is they stopped and asked directions. They did have a GPS. It was the star. It just kind of lost signal for a while. It was not the ideal circumstances. And the person who gave them directions didn't even like the news that they had been told. A revolution of joy must be embraced even when things are not ideal. Don't misunderstand that. It doesn't mean that you have to like bad circumstances. No. It means that in spite of bad circumstances, I trust him. I maintain my relationship with him. If when the service is done and you start to leave today, you go out and have a flat tire, I don't expect you to go, yes! What a joyful event! I would expect you to kick the tire, mutter about where the spare is, those dumb little donuts, but still not lose your joy. We've all heard some news this week that was not good news for ourselves or someone else. But I can still have joy knowing he's in control, that he loves me, saves me, his grace is sufficient for me, even when my circumstances are not ideal. A revolution of joy must be embraced even when it goes against our surroundings or culture. I was reminded... When I wrote that down this week, I was seen from another classic Christmas movie, Miracle on 34th Street. Toward the end of the movie, the little girl who was trying to figure out whether or not to believe in Santa and they were telling her, even though it's not coming out the way you thought, you still need to believe. So she is muttering to herself in the car. It doesn't make sense, but I still believe. It doesn't make sense, but I still believe. I thought, you know, Lord, I've hit a few of those this week. It doesn't make sense, but I still believe in you. I didn't like this phone call I just got, but I still trust you. I don't understand this, but I still believe. See, Joy says, even in bad circumstances or against culture, I can still have joy.
A revolution of joy must be embraced even when you are sad or hurting. You open up, say, Lord, I don't get it. You open up and say, I can't do this on my own. You open up and say, I'm not sure I can do another step or take another breath without you. But I still trust you. That's joy. In the midst of those circumstances. See, the joy is not in our personal situation. It's in our personal relationship with the Savior. Make sure you hear that. Joy is not in our personal situation. It is in our personal relationship with our Savior. Even when our current circumstances may be bringing us pain. We don't dismiss the pain. We don't dismiss the hurt. That's foolish. We recognize this stinks. This hurts but I trust you even if I don't understand. A revolution of joy, thirdly, is tied to hope and peace. A revolution of joy is tied to hope and peace because without that, we're not going to have peace. Because remember what the prophet Isaiah wrote in chapter 9, verses 6 and 7, that we have a Savior now. That's the one who's been born in Bethlehem. That's the one who now sits at the right hand of the Father in heaven after overcoming cross, death, and the grave. And the prophet, hundreds of years before it took place, said he shall be called Wonderful Counselor. Some of us right now need that counselor, don't we? Mighty God. I got a text this morning from a pastor friend of mine that we have a tendency to text back and forth on Sunday mornings to encourage and let them know that we've prayed for each other. I need to read you these words. He didn't know what I'm preaching on. Shame on him, he should. But he said, Listen to this from Isaiah 9. For to you today a child is born, a son is given, he will be called Mighty God. When we consider Jesus as Mighty God, we are reminded of his protection and provision. He is strong when we aren't. He will protect us when we need to be defended. He is our strength. Rest in your Mighty God today, brother. See, if you knew what he and his family have endured in the last year, that would mean even more. Wrote back and said, your words are like cool water to a heart that needed to hear that today. Some of you need to be reminded of that as well. This wonderful counselor is also a mighty God. He is the everlasting father. Not the rigid dad, the everlasting father, Abba, father, daddy. He is the prince of peace. And verse 7 of Isaiah 9 tells us that his rule will be forever. 
not just for a season, not just for a time, not just a period in history, but forever. Because God is still God, no matter what. So if we're going to be part of this revolution, in fact, if we're going to create it in our own homes, in our neighborhoods, in our church, our community, and beyond, I believe there are some things that a revolution of joy requires us to do and be. Number one, a revolution of joy requires us to remember who we belong to. Who do we belong to? Christmas, when we often are able to get together with some family and sometimes extended family, and quite often there are some people that we don't see that often. Which means there's things that happen. Kids grow. Well, so do adults, unfortunately, around. Sometimes we lose stuff. Sight, hearing, hair. But I'm always amazed, especially when they look at the kids and the grandkids. And you always get those comments. They're always trying to figure out, which one do they look like? Our prayers were answered and our kids favor Jody so much more than me. To which everyone says, thank you. And some pictures were posted from Thanksgiving. And one of the comments, well actually more than one, but one that stood out to me said, Oh, I know who their grandma is just by looking at them. you need to be reminded who you belong to. Not so much here, but for eternity. See, I want people when they see me to see my dad. Oh, I'm proud and <laughs> it's a great compliment if somebody says I remind him of my earthly father. But it's an even greater one if they say I remind them of our heavenly father. That's who I want to be like. We need to remember who we belong to, no matter what we're facing. Secondly, a revolution of joy requires us to seek joy when circumstances betray us. To seek joy even when the stuff around us not only isn't going well, but it appears someone has purposely made them not go well. To seek joy even in those moments. To seek joy, especially in those moments. Instead of sitting back and hoping that joy happens to find its way to us. Because it's dependent on our relationship with him, we need to continually seek that. And last, a revolution of joy requires us to look forward and not get stuck in the now. Oh, I know, getting stuck in the past is a problem too, but I see an awful lot of people who can't get out of the now. The recent, the current, and it's stealing their joy because they feel they're stuck, forgetting who he is and who they belong to, not seeking that joy, but allowing the circumstances to betray it from them. 
We need to look forward and not get stuck in the now, but to realize who he is, what he's created and called us to, and to realize that it is awesome, starting with his love for us. So let me ask you, are you living in joy? What's your meter at? Do your actions demonstrate joy to those you're around? We can be joyful. In fact, we have much to create that joy in, starting with how much you're loved. Seek it. Embrace it. Remember whose you are and live in that joy. Father, thank you for loving us the way you do. Thank you for providing for our hope, for providing for our peace and our joy. Lord, I pray for each one this morning that's here or listening, tuning in online. May they recognize that joy is possible no matter what they're facing. May you encourage the one that's discouraged with reminding them that you are with them and love them. And Lord, this week, may we live in such a way that we can help to remind others the joy is possible. Lord, help us to start a revolution this Christmas. And may all of it point to you. In Jesus' name, amen.